0: Ah, link building, the part of SEO we all love to hate. But why is it that so many SEOs feel that way? Well, with link building, you need to constantly stay one step ahead of the curve. And that means not sending the same templated outreach message that everyone else is using. Okay, so be unique, but how the hell do you do that? Well, glad you asked, because today my guest is going to show that to you. Her name is BB the Link Builder and she builds hundreds of guest posts every single month. She has an agency with over 20 people working for her. And what makes her so special is she's really, really good at cold outreach emails. Her approach is funny, entertaining and really makes her stand out. But it's also systematizable and scalable. And be sure to tune in for the full episode because I've prepared a surprise test for her. I'm going to be giving her a random selection of niches which I've prepared in advance and I'm going to ask her to create outreach messages specifically for sites in that niche. Now she doesn't know this is happening so we're going to put her on the spot a little bit and see if she really knows what she's doing. Let's get started. Welcome to the Authority Hacker podcast and now your hosts Gail Breton and Mark Webster. Welcome to the podcast, BB. How's it going?
1: It's good. I'm a little bit tired, but it's Friday, so I'm probably not going to do anything on Saturday except read tons of zombie books. That's my thing right now.
0: Zombie books. Uh, That sounds interesting.
1: (laughs) I think it's my twisted way to deal with the the coronavirus. Ever since uh, lockdown happened, I've been just binging a lot of zombie books, and they all suck horribly. But the one I'm reading right now is amazing. It's called uh, The Rising, and it's nonstop gory action packed awfulness yeah it's really is weird. this
0: your is this your secret is this where you get all your creativity when it comes to link building outreach then from from zombie horror books
1: no, but you've just gave me an idea. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do a whole campaign.
0: <laughs> okay, well, welcome to the show anyway. And for the, the few people watching who haven't heard of you or don't know you so far, you're obviously a, a link builder and you run a, a link building company. Can you tell us what are some of the best links you've managed to build? Give us a flavor of, of the kind of stuff you can do.
1: Okay, one of the best links was, I can't actually say the domain, but it's, it was a link on the number one psychology site. And it was actually linking out to a client for burial insurance. And the article was... About, difficult
0: niche to do link building in, I imagine.
1: Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And the article was about uh, how to prepare your parents for a bright future. So it wasn't just a really hard link to get. But it was, the irony around the whole thing was just so hilarious, you know? So that, I'm really proud of that link.
0: <laughs> and in terms of quantity, how many links does your company build per month, sort of, on average?
1: Yeah, so I think... We're supposed to build 300 links a month, but we're a little bit below that. You know, you aim for something and then it never happens (laughs) that you reach that target. Well, I don't. Also because my link building process depends a lot on the goodwill of editors. But you could say that, yeah, between 200 and 300 links a month.
0: Okay, so you got some pretty serious scale behind this and these are good links as well. What What's your average DR of of, of a link that you, you get for your clients?
1: Well, I don't really focus on DR that much.
0: What metric do you use?
1: Well, none. Or do, you, do
0: you use any <laughs> metrics? Okay. Well, well, we'll get into that later in the in the show.
1: Yeah. Well, I do follow uh, metrics minimums if the client wants it. So then I follow it. But if it were up to me, I just kind of use my eyeballs to see if a site's good. So the DR can range between twenty and ninety, something like that.
0: Okay. And when did you build your first link?
1: I think that was maybe like three years ago or a little bit longer. No, it was, I think it was three to four years ago. Yeah.
0: So in three or four years, you've gone from not knowing how to do link building to running a company building hundreds of high quality links per month. That's, that's pretty impressive.
1: Yeah, how did that happen? I don't know.
0: <laughs> so one of the reasons I wanted to have you on today is because you have this kind of like secret sauce aura about you, about the way you communicate with people when you're doing outreach. Can you tell us a little bit about that and like what is it that makes you so effective at this, where many SEOs have you know terrible open rates and, and are just getting nowhere with it. What are you doing?
1: I think, first of all, it's not such a secret sauce because if you guys follow me, the articles that I write or the, the talks that I do, I always share the stuff, mostly exactly how I do it. But that said, I think that other link builders or anybody getting into link building is so obsessed with scaling and systemizing everything that they lose the human aspect. And for me, I'm very personable. I'm very human oriented. And I always try to see things from the perspective of the prospect that I reach out to. For instance, when I just started, I posted in a, I was in a blogger group with all these mommy bloggers, you know, and those are the scariest uh, species on the planet and for link builders. And I asked them, so why do you guys hate link builders? And I thought that they would say, you know, they, uh, they're trying to take advantage of us or they're spamming us or whatever. But the number one reason was that people didn't look at their site, So they didn't pay any attention to them. And so I guess my, my secret sauce is that I'm more personable, but I also pay just this little bit more attention to who I'm talking to. And that makes all the difference. So it's not even that I'm genius or whatever. It's just a little bit extra.
0: Okay, we'll get into a few examples of, of how you, you approach different types of sites later on. But can you tell me a bit about your prospecting strategies? Like how do you identify sites you, you potentially want to link from?
1: Uh, yeah, there are a couple of ways. So I look for sites based on specific keywords that you want to rank for. But I also look at sites that are businesses themselves. So they don't monetize through their content, but they monetize through their products and services. And those businesses should share part of your audience. Or part of your niche. And how I look for them is that I use keywords that only those sites would rank for. I call them expert keywords or keywords that, for instance, a local business would rank for. Uh, if you say dentist, you could say dentist book appointments, because then you know that you're actually getting real dentists, plus informational keywords like uh, tips and tricks and how to, because then you get the dentists that are real dentists, so they don't make money with their site. Well, not with the informational part of it. And they have a blog. So that's how I find prospects.
0: So you're specifically looking for sites that don't monetize their information, that have a, a real product or service behind yeah. that. Is that because it's easier to get a link or cheaper to get a link? Or what's the thinking there?
1: All those things. It's easier to get a link because you can imagine that a real company, you know, their content marketing is something they need to do, but they might not have all the time for it. So if you can give them anything for instance, guest post or a linkable asset that they can base some content on uh, that can help them, you know, that, that can help sell to their audience. So it's much easier to sell, to pitch to them as a writer for a guest post or for a linkable assets. And it's also cheaper. Because they're not that interested in making money with their content. They're more interested in selling to their audience and branding themselves.
0: And do you have any tips on, on how to actually do this? Are you just going to Google and kind of looking around? Do you use Ahrefs? Do use any other tools to identify these?
1: Yeah, so I use Pitchbox that has kind of like a scrapey thingy in it.
0: So for people, I know Pitchbox is quite a high-end tool. I think it starts at like 500 bucks a month or something. For people yeah. who listen and haven't used it before. Can you just sort of explain in a nutshell what it does and, and why you use it?
1: Yeah, Pitchbox is an outreach tool, but more importantly, it takes over a lot of the project management side of link building. And you use it to build campaigns and then you email people from Pitchbox and you receive replies back in your inbox. And that's how you uh, yeah, manage your, your link outreach.
0: How do you use it specifically for the, the tactic you mentioned before?
1: Yeah, so you have uh, all these different sets of campaign types that you can use. You can decide that you want to do a resource link campaign or a roundup campaign, and then there are preset features that you can run with specific keywords, and then you can fi- then you get a prospect list that you have to you know clean up a little bit, and then you can do your outreach. But what I like to do is the Google Search Operator campaigns. They are also in uh, Pitchbox, and there I just uh, put in um, yeah about fifteen keywords. And then they start finding the sites in a list and then have my guys um, inspect and personalize. So, so they check each site if it's a good site and they personalize it. They check the data, you know, the contact information. Then someone creates a template and the outreach starts. That's how we do it.
0: So can you tell me about the quality factors you look at? I mean, you mentioned you don't actually pay attention to DR or any of these kind of SEO metrics. What are you looking at in that?
1: yeah there are a couple of things so we use our eyes to look at the sites and if you see a lot of sites you start to recognize that it's a content only site yeah and you can have really big sites that just have content and don't offer any products or services and those would be good sites as well but you'll recognize the seo sites so the, the sites that are clearly made to attract people for selling links So that their design is crap, you know, or old, they don't keep up with their content. I always say, um, it's kind of like a garden, you know, when you go into a garden, when you look around you and you, does it feel like a garden that somebody took care of? You know, if it looks neglected or there's all this this plastic uh, crap in it, you know, it's not the garden for you. Uh, the other thing that we look for is if they have a right for us page, very blatantly visible. So sometimes sites do have it, but they don't really advertise it or anything but other sites they have it you know really big in their in their navigation and then you know that they get outreached by thousands of link builders and they're so used to you know getting paid for links or having anybody post on their site that's that's not a good thing and i also check if there are real people behind it but that's that's not always a rule but if there's a a page that has a team you know and they're are people working in a company? There's a marketing manager, an editor, and there's a CEO and all that stuff. Then it's usually a good site for me.
0: So basically you're looking for a real site that's a, a real business and not yeah, just yeah. A, a content content farm or a guest post farm, basically.
1: Yeah, I think uh, it doesn't mean that that's a content-only site can't be good. You know, they, they can be great. I mean, look at Livestrong or something like that, although they have they have some products as well. But I just tell people if, if you doubt longer then five minutes or three minutes about a site and just delete it. Cause if the site makes you doubt and makes you start looking into all these metrics and then you do see some weird dips in the traffic or whatever, it's just a total waste of your time because in that same time, you can find five sites where you don't have to doubt for a second.
0: So do you look at how much traffic the site gets according to, you know, Ahrefs or or any of these things as a factor in your decision?
1: A little bit, you know, cause sometimes clients do want a minimum of traffic. The problem with the Ahrefs traffic is that it's highly unreliable. So it's more, it's more like a accumulation of red flags. You know, if a site is great, but there's a dip in traffic or something, it's not a big deal. But if a site looks sucky and there's weird traffic stuff going on and they have some spammy backlinks and they reply with an answer that says, oh, I have 20 other sites and I'm like out the door. <laughs> But I tell people if, if a site really feels good and there's one little bad thing about it, that's totally fine.
0: Do you look at the other sites they link out to as well? Like if they have a lot of casino or CBD links, is, yeah. is that a red flag for you?
1: Yeah. So I don't check it standard. But if a site gives me some doubt or if I have a suspicion, I, I start checking the outgoing links.
0: Okay. And how do you go about finding the contact info? I, I know Pitchbox has some technology built in. Do you use that? Do you use Hunter? Do you, do you have any manual processes?
1: No, I use Pitchbox and it usually comes up with like 20 emails, but I have everyone uh, check each site manually. So they have to, they have to use, they have to kind of guess what the right emails are, but they always have to look at the contact and about page because there might be a really good, contact the email address on there, or people might say, we don't want you to reach out for us, uh, to us for guest posts or links that I respect that. I don't want to reach out to those uh, sites.
0: And do you pay attention to whether they've done guest posts in the past or they've, uh, any other people have guest posted on the site rather?
1: Uh, no, maybe I should, <laughs> but we don't. What we do do is that when you look at the blog posts and it looks like every other post is a guest post linking out to a company, then that's a little bit of a red flag. Of a link seller, if it's a really good site, we do reach out anyway. But it, it's one of those things that could indicate um, it's just a link farm. The other thing that you know you can you can always think that the site is really great, and then when you reach out to them and they reply in your inbox, the tone by which they reply and the way they reply can make you disqualify a site.
0: So what would be a case where you disqualify someone based on the reply? What kind of things would they say?
1: Yeah, if they say stuff like, oh, it's um, immediately like, oh, it's $20 and we have 20 other sites and links to gambling is $100. And I'm like, bye, Felicia. (laughs) And I blacklist them right away. So that would be a reply that I wouldn't like.
0: Why specifically is that? So, I mean, obviously if they have a, a network of sites that indicates they're maybe a, a guest post farm, if they have different pricing for casino or CBD than, than the rest, what's that telling you about them? And why is that a factor for you, for your decision?
1: It shows that anybody can can place a link on their site if they have the money. And that I don't know if what other link builders are going to do with that site. Maybe they're going to blast it with some spam tier two or three or whatever, what do you want to call it, links. And also the other thing is that the person that runs the site, they might have some criteria for posting on the site now, but in the end they get broke or something, or they want fast money and they drop their criteria more and more. It just becomes a really crappy site. So I don't want to take that risk. I rather want somebody that cares about their site and cares about who they let in. I like it when somebody replies, not so enthusiastic. And they really want to have, they have some more questions about it, or they have a long list of criteria and you have to go through this whole editorial process because those people really care about their sites and they won't let anybody uh, on there.
0: So you're looking for, you're looking for people who care about their sites because they're real businesses and who have high standards, you basically want everyone else who's who's doing kind of spammy link building not to to want to bother to jump over those hurdles to, to exactly get
1: to. yeah i don't want to make the analogy with dating but i'm going for the hard to get months uh, for sure
0: mm-hmm. okay and do your criteria do the way you look at sites differ from niche to niche i mean if you're in i don't know if you take uh sites in like casino or cbd or even like credit card stuff is is, is it not like all of the links you're getting there are a little bit more spammy than if you're doing, I don't know, pets or something.
1: Yeah, it's funny. So I'm actually starting for the first time in gambling link building, and it's for a client that really wants my style of of link building, so more like organic and all that stuff. So I have to see how that's going to turn out because I don't know. I have done some credit card stuff, and even then, I think the because they were okay with paying for links, I think in that regards. I would drop my criteria a little bit because if if a site is, is used to dealing with paid links, then it's okay. But they still have they have to have their own criteria. I want them to be the gatekeeper against other spammy link builders. But it's more like a case okay. thing, yeah.
0: Okay, when it comes to what you actually say in your <laughs> outreach message, like this is this is what you're kind of known for. Yeah. How do you? Where do you start? I take it you don't have a. A template that you, you you go off of and you, you customize a few things. You're you're doing something pretty special here. What how, what is it?
1: Thank you. Well, it is funny though because I used to do bespoke outreach. Like for every site, it would be completely unique for that site. I would look at their site and see something that jumped out to me, and then create an angle for that in the email. For instance, uh, there was a site, pretty big site, and but I found out that they were Hungarian people, so. I made my email a little bit Hungarian and I looked at their about page and I take, took things off the about page and incorporated those in my email. That was bespoke outreach. So that worked really, really well. But because I got more customers and a bigger team, so now I have like 23 people. That's hard. You know, you don't have the the time or brain power to do these bespoke uh, emails. So now we actually do work from templates, but we customize them for each niche. So, well, for each client, basically. So what we do is that you look at the prospect list and you look at what kind of similarities they have in their content and how they talk and what their interests are, and then you theme your template that way. So for instance, for cybersecurity, we did a star Wars themed templates with a lot of jokes and baby Yoda memes and uh, that kind of stuff. So yeah, that's, that's what we do. And we use a lot of humor and puns in the emails.
0: Okay. So I'm glad you said that because, (laughs) um, I prepared a little game for you and I'm sorry to kind of put you on the spot a little bit here, but I've put some serious production work into this. It's, it's called the game of niches. So we have, behind this game board, we have eight mystery niches. So I'm going to ask you to pick three numbers from here. Each one contains a niche, some more difficult than others. And then I'm going to ask you to, on the spot, live, come up with an outreach approach or or something which you would say when crafting a template so okay cool can i have your first number please
1: okay can i can i give one disclaimer though because you know my, sure. team now, my team now makes a template so i i, I might be a little bit wrong. no
0: no excuses <laughs> baby come on you can do this
1: okay cool seven
0: seven okay what do we have here so we've got wedding speeches
1: oh i did that i did a campaign for that okay So what I normally would do is that I will go to Googled wedding puns and I see some sites here. I see Elite Daily has 39 wedding puns. Then there's Pinterest, but I want to skip that Oh, Punpedia. That's one of my favorites and 10 marriage puns, right? So it has to be kind of wedding related. Punpedia, whoops, I agree. I'm looking at the site now. Carriage, marriage. Okay. So here it says your marriage awaits. I might use that as a subject line, right? So your marriage awaits. And then a proposal for, and then I would uh, do the site name or the person's name. So in your case, it would be your marriage awaits a proposal for Mark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then I would have, this is a guest post pitch, So I would have to go into wedding speech sites. So then I'm going to Google something that, that a wedding speech site might rank for. So best wedding speech ideas for best friend or best man. Let's do best man. And that what I'm doing now is that I'm looking at potential prospects because there probably be wedding sites. So hitch.co.uk and the knots and... All speeches, great and small, that could be a good one. And what I do then is that I look through, no, oh, this is the a puns thing that I look through the content of, um, a wedding site because I want to see what kind of stuff they're talking about, because that's going to give me ideas for content. You can also use actually Samrush for this. I have it open here. It's called topic research. And let's do wedding speech and see what comes up. So you put in a keyword in topic research, and then it's going to analyze content or something. I'm not sh- entirely sure how it works. Oh, it's still cooking. So I'm just going to go back to the blog. This is exactly how we do it. I would just jump back and forth between different tools and things. Um, so f- I'm looking at hitch.co.uk. Okay. So here's a, I see some things about guest list, wedding suppliers, checklists. Now, I would probably do, pitch an article about managing your wedding suppliers. So avoid wedding migraines, how to manage your wedding suppliers. That would be one pitch. The other one would be seven tips to stay on track with your wedding checklist. And then I would do do another one maybe about wedding speech, how to not fumble through your wedding speech or 10 creative angles to your wedding speech so that that could be so you're
0: pitching these these uh guest post ideas in, in the first email like uh yeah. when you send it yeah okay yeah do you just go straight in with the pitch for that or do you yeah. do you sort of like say something to get their attention first
1: well in a subject line i do use often use a pun so in this case it would be mm-hmm. your marriage awaits it's not actually not that great but it does stand out sometimes in an inbox But I I combine it with your marriage awaits a pitch for Mark, because I want to qualify people with my subject line. If somebody is not interested in a pitch, they don't open the email, right? And it's that's totally fine. But they see immediately from the subject line what I want. So then they open the email. Then I could incorporate another joke that would be like, I would look for, I'm not going to do that right now, but if you look for 10 best jokes about marriage or or about relationships, I would use that in the first paragraph of the email.
0: And these are like really cheesy, like dad joke level jokes or or what kind of jokes?
1: Yes, they're very, very dad jokes. (laughs) Dad jokes are the meat of my business, I would say, and cat memes as well.
0: Do you send images sometimes in your outreach?
1: In my follow-ups. Yeah. I don't do it in the first one because I'm a little bit paranoid about it. Some people have said that it could cause problems, but I've never tested it out, but I do in the follow-ups, I use a lot of cats and baby Yoda stuff and everything that's cute. So the subject line uh, needs to draw their attention. It shouldn't sound like a link builder or a sales letter, but it also qualifies the prospect. Yeah. So when they open, they know, they kind of know it's going to be a pitch. So then they open, I do another little joke or sometimes I also did, you know, during the lockdown, I did a heartfelt thing about the lockdown, but in a, not in a fake way, it was just like, you know, life sucks, <laughs> something like that. And then I say, Hey, you know, to help uh, couples uh, get through marriage season while being stuck at home, I thought of the following topics for your site. And then I just pitched uh, the three headlines. And then I say something like, I'm happy to uh, tweak or edit or rephrase this for you if you think it's, uh, it's a better, uh, it's, it's more suitable. And then I can.
0: Get- and uh, do you go in saying, you know, hey, I'm a writer, I want to get my work out there. Or are you saying, hey, I want to do a guest post to get a do follow back link from you or what's what kind of no. language are you using around that stuff?
1: Yeah, so. I'm pitching like a writer, but I don't say that I'm a writer. Often I actually speak on behalf of the client. So the signature has the client in it. Yeah, I, I'm not really specific about it. So the email looks like a writer that's pitching some stuff, but I do sometimes mention the word guest in it. I would love to write a guest feature or if you're open to guest writers or if there's an open spot in your editorial calendar for guest writers, you know, that they do see the word guest. So it's because sometimes people do get f- confused and they try to hire the me. <laughs> I'm like, no, 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 no. <laughs> and then I say, no, you know, I just, I'm just trying to increase our visibility. And that's why I, I love writing for other sites. Yeah.
0: All right. Should we pick another one from the, um, uh, the game of niches board? Uh, okay. What number do you want next?
1: Basically the same process. Let's do number one.
0: Number one. Ah, we got my favorite. It's the paintball niche.
1: You already did something in your podcast about that.
0: Whatever we can't think of an example of a niche, we just default <laughs> to paintball and it's kind of become a thing on the podcast. So okay. it makes sense paintball. that it was included here.
1: Paintball, I would, again, look into paintball sites.
0: So you're, you're Googling paintball puns to begin with, are you?
1: Yeah, paintball puns. You know, I've skipped to say something really important about this stuff, and that's to determine your prospect list first. So basically what I do is segmenting and theming. So theming is Mm. the part that I showed you, you like with the wedding puns and all that stuff, but you have to know who you're writing to. Otherwise you don't know what they're interested in. So for the paintball sites, it would be most obvious to reach out to other paintball sites, for instance, but I could also think about other types of prospects, so then it would maybe be parents, parenting blogs. And in that case, I wouldn't do paintball puns. I would do parenting
0: puns. Ah, Okay.
1: Yeah, because it, ha- it has to be themed to the prospect, not necessarily to me. So for instance, for let's say parents, then I would do, I would look for parenting funds, but maybe especially with the lockdown, because I'm a parent myself, I can also think about it, but I'm just going to try to do this as if I was a new link builder and I didn't know anything. Right. So I'm looking at an article at today.com and it's about the funniest post about homeschooling and it's stuff on Twitter. Let me see. So here I see a. Uh, I wasn't sharing my screen, but I see a tweet from, from a mom. And she says, uh, boss on phone. How are things going? Me gazing out the window at my kids, strangling each other whilst jumping barefoot in a trampoline. Great. So what this says to me is that kids are fighting at home. Of course, you know, because parents are getting super stressed out. So why don't I write in the subject line, how to make the most of your kids fighting, you know, cause. Parents would be like, what, what are you talking about? Why would I You know, make the most of it? And then I would, of course, I would qualify it with a pitch for or contributing to, and then a side name or a person. And then going in the email, I would probably make another joke about fighting kids, or I would say, just give him a gun. Or no, 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 that, that would be too far. <laughs> it wouldn't be doing. Just give him <laughs> a paintball gun or, I don't know, something, you know, that, that would relate it to paintball. Because when your kids fight, why not take all that aggression out with a uh, paintball
0: gun? That's really good, actually. I think that would work work very well. Uh, <laughs> something I noticed that all these approaches seem to do is it's very much like triggering emotions of people. Like when you mentioned the, the lockdown thing, it's kind of like negative or sad emotion. But the, the humor is obviously the, the funny emotion. But that seems to be what evokes a response the most, would you say?
1: Yeah, that, that's so well observed. I've never thought about that, but that's, I think that's all I do. I just poke at people a little bit. I even do it in a negative way sometimes. Like for instance, I was lo- reaching out to health food bloggers, right? I think I told this before some, somewhere else. And instead of doing something positive, I said in the, I think I said it in a subject line, like your smoothie sucks. Cause they all have smoothie recipes, right? And then I talked about how I tried out their smoothie recipe, but it's just extremely disgusting and it really must be doing something wrong, you know, and then again, it, you have to find the right tone. It can be kind of tricky, but it's sort of a compliment, but it's also a trigger in a negative way.
0: Have you ever kind of gotten the wrong response when trying something like that?
1: Yes. I just did a uh, thing to IT professionals and it was completely Harry Potter themed. We got a lot of good responses back and won a lot of links. But one guy was like, this is the worst unprofessional email I've ever gotten in my life. he, He just spent like a thousand words on how horrible I was. But sometimes it can also surprise you because we also did a campaign. And I can't really go into the details, but the subject line was a little bit flirty. And Mm -hmm. it was, it was punny. It was a little bit flirty, but it had to do with fonts, you know, letter fonts, types of letters. And I thought it was risky, but then it worked so well. It was just the conversion rate was so high on that. So you have to just try stuff out. But I do tell people, you know, no sexist stuff, no racist stuff. Try No controversial stuff. Don't be creep.
0: Politics and religion can maybe uh, sidestep that one as well.
1: Yeah, but getting negative responses, it's okay. It's just part of the thing. I think people, I think, yeah, I don't know. I think you bother people more with a very generic, fake, flattery email than with something that makes them go like, huh, what the, you know, what is this now?
0: Have you ever turned a negative response into a link?
1: I don't think so, actually. I've had some keyboard warriors that were just like getting into it. And then I would talk back to them, but it would, it would only egg them on. You know, it would only get worse. Yeah. I, I was nice to them, but we, they were just in this little tunnel thing. So really negative responses. No, I do have people that can sometimes be critical and stuff. And I think it's important that you always have to leave your ego at the door. You know, you don't need to be doormat, but don't get caught up in the emotion because it's not a rejection of you. You know, it's just it's just a re- you don't know.
0: Sometimes you just catch people and they're having a bad day. Something exactly. else affects them. They wouldn't normally react like that. And you are just happen to be there to bear the brunt of whatever chips on their on their shoulder at that point in time. And I reach to enough people, you talk to enough people, and this is going to happen to you. So you just have to leave your ego at the door, as you said, and kind of move on.
1: Yeah, and that's, that's what I noticed because, I, you, you know, I, by now I've trained a lot of people. And they all have to go over that hurdle of rejection. And I, I tell them it's not a life or death situation. If somebody's being a dick or whatever, you're not going to die. It's just an email that you delete. You know, and you're done. But you get so much, the way we do outreach, you get so many positive replies back all day long so that, that really makes it worth.
0: Do you get a lot of people saying a lot of people outreach to me about this is the first one I've answered. I don't know I may respond to this thing.
1: Yeah, yeah, nonstop and and people thanking you for emailing them. I mean, how, you know, you you're cold emailing people that never heard of you and they actually say, thank you. You made my day, you know, you made me smile or whatever. So, yeah. That's really nice.
0: Do you often have to like negotiate with people or like explain, I'm not necessarily just talking about like paying them or or price, Mm -hmm. although we can get into that, but um, do you often have to like explain further what you want and like convince them why it's a good idea for you to do it? Do, Do you end up getting into some of those discussions?
1: Yeah. So that's another thing that I always tell to my guys and I have to remind myself as well, just be laid back. Don't push don't beg don't demand anything because this is cold outreach you initiated this you know you're not they're not obliged to anything to you so if somebody says you know i'm not interested or whatever then i always tell people you have to reply because it's it's polite and just say you know that's all good have a great day you know and sometimes a month later they, they come back to you but that shouldn't even be in your brain it also takes the stress out of it because i always tell them don't, don't try to get the link, you know, just have a nice conversation, explain what you're doing. If they want it good, if they don't want it, then it's fine. Cause I don't want people to feel like they have to win the, the link. It's really, it's a bit counterintuitive, but I think somebody at the other end of the email, they can sense when you're desperate mm-hmm. and that doesn't work. Not for us.
0: <laughs> I think if you be too pushy as well, especially yeah. over, over email you try and do kind of like salesman techniques that that may work, you know, in a high pressure in-person sales tech situation because people just have time to think about it and stop and reflect it. it can really like turn people off quite quickly as well.
1: Yeah, I think think so. And the risk of it as well is that they can flag you as spam. And once your email is flagged as spam, your whole campaign is fucked. You know, you have to repair all that stuff. So I rather just lose the opportunity they're pushing people to uh, uh, flag me.
0: How do you sort of protect your deliverability? And what do you do when you encounter issues of that like that?
1: Yeah, so I'm not, I'm not a deliverability expert, but we do the, the whole DMARC, DKIM, SPF thing, and we warm them up ourselves manually. I know there are tools out there as well, but we're not using them at the moment. With newsletters, with emails going back and forth, and we kind of throttle the how much email we send out a day. So it's between, for each client, it's between 20 and, and 40. And I think Pitchbox also has a whole system behind their their outreach tool that uses mail servers that protect email deliverability. But I'm not so technical with that stuff, so I don't know.
0: Okay, and when it comes to actually writing the guest post content, do you have any kind of processes? Do you have in-house team that does that? Do you outsource it? How do you, how do you handle it?
1: Yeah, I have a, so a really good friend... Recommended this South African service to me, and we've been working with them now for over a year or something. And they just keep hiring more writers. Yeah, we just order through them. We have a we just switched to ClickUp. It's a project management tool, and in the ClickUp uh, tool, we have a space, a content tracker, and we order the articles through that. We just uh, and then the woman who manages the service, she's in our ClickUp as well and in our Slack. And that's how we order things.
0: And how much direction do you give to them? Or do you just sort of give them the, the title and ask them to, to write it? Or, or are you getting kind of more into it than that?
1: Uh, no, it's basically the headline. And then there are some things that are always standard. So it's like thousand words or whatever. But for some prospects, they want more words or less words. So we, we put that in. But otherwise than that, it's, uh, it's all up to them how they do it.
0: And how many people do you have working for you now?
1: I think 23 or 25. (laughs) I
0: don't know. It's a pretty big size for a link building team. How do you split up the work? Do you have different people doing prospecting and outreach? Or how do you divide the roles?
1: Yeah, that's so interesting because I started, I partnered up with a business partner. And this was when I couldn't take on more clients. I was a client capacity. And I've been working with this business partner before. But then we, we decided to partner up. And we had two teams, so he would run his team. I would run my team, and we would would often co-work on the same project, but his approach was very different than mine. He had very, like a four-dism kind of module. So everybody had one role and that's all they did, which worked really well in terms of productivity. But I think the downside of it was that there was a lot of dependency on specific people, so there was a lot of pressure for one person, you know, to handle all the inboxes or, or stuff like that in my team. I hired more creative people and I trained them through the whole process and which made their productivity a little bit lower because they had to switch a lot between things and they had to learn a lot. But now we're kind of seeing the benefits of it because they have grown into more a project management role. So now we have team leads that can just run their own four or five projects at the same time with other team members. And that's why we're kind of merging the teams now. And we're going to do more of those sub team division style thingy. But I like to see people grow and be in the role and do the tasks that they feel most comfortable with and it makes them happy. So if somebody comes in and they're really good at inspecting and personalizing and they don't want to do anything else, that's fine. You know, then they just do that. If they change their mind later on, it's fine too. I also have people that are extremely good with templates and dealing with prospects. And they started doing inspect and personalize, and they're just completely miserable because it's such a fucking boring thing to do. And I tell them, okay, that's fine. You just do that, you know? So I've seen both worlds now. I think it's both okay. But
0: what type of people are you hiring for to do link building? I know a lot of people struggle to find good people to. to fill that role. I think one of the problems is you often you go on somewhere like Upwork and you say I'm hiring a link builder. No. <laughs> the type of people who apply, yeah, they come with certain pre-existing knowledge and that can often be a bad thing. So, how do you do it?
1: I hire people green. I mean, I have a lot of people that message me on LinkedIn or Facebook or whatever and they want want me to hire them. But I always say no, because I don't want to hire SEOs and I don't want to hire link builders because they have their own methods, you know, and it's really hard to break them out of that. But I hire most people on online jobs. So, and then I post an ad for
0: onlinejobs.ph. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So,
1: and I post a job for, to, for a copywriter basically. But then I do explain in the ads what kind of work they will be doing that I will train them. I have a video in the job posting. And the job posting is quite long. So there's a long list of requirements, blah, blah, blah. But in the video, I actually tell them how to apply. So if they don't watch the video, they start applying through online jobs and I I don't hire them. They don't even show up on my radar. So when they apply through the process of the video, they go through some automatic tests and they have to do a lot of work before they even get to talk to me. So the people that do apply, first off, they're detail oriented. You know, they watch the video, they get how they actually should do it. And then they do a lot of tests, which is a lot of work, you know, before you get hired. And one of those tests has to do with creative writing and with the work that they're going to do. So I look for potential. If they don't get a, get the guest post stuff or the other stuff, it's totally fine, but they have to be creative and their English has to be really, really good. Not formal, but casual. And once they're done, if they go through all those tests and I usually end up with about six people, you know, online jobs, I think 900 people see the ads, then hundred people apply and then 30 people apply through the way they should be uh, applying. And then all of those people are six or five left. Then I have a last Skype chat with them. And in a Skype chat, we just start talking and I ask them stuff about their work setup, their expectations and all those things. But I'm actually testing the way they're communicating with me because often people at the last, I mean, you can, you can spend 10 hours and really ace the test. Right. But I need to be able to see how you talk live, how you improvise and all that stuff. And then when I have a good feeling about them, I hire them on the spot because I don't, I mean, by that time they've gone through so many hoops, you know, I kind of reward them with not getting them, having them in anguish anymore. Yeah. So I'm not looking for link builders. I'm not looking for data entry people, or I'm looking for creative people.
0: And once they come onto your team, how do you then train them in the the link building? Do you have them shadow other people or do you personally no. train them? Do you have,
1: I have a, so there's kind of like training series of videos and tasks. And I used to have Trello, but now I have ClickUp. So I have a, it's like a template of tasks They just go through every task and then they they do well they watch a video then they do the task and then i give them feedback but i don't give them feedback directly i I record the feedback because i've noticed that people when you give them direct feedback for some people it's kind of confrontational so they start apologizing for stuff which is not necessary because it's normal to fuck up and also they absorb what you say better i mean my team members have told me that sometimes they watch a video 10 times you know just to understand what I was saying but now because we have those team leads they actually train people but we're still using the same videos and stuff
0: have you noticed any drop off in like quality since you've started having other people who work for you trained the new people or mm-hmm. or has it not been an issue
1: that's a really good question you know why because I'm so anal <laughs> I really find it hard to let go. But there was a really good lesson in that because people show me their templates, right? They, they show me what they write or they show me how they reply. And then I record a video with what I think about it. And I'm always like, this sucks and this is stupid and you can't say it that way and this is horrible and you forgot a punctuation mark there, La But the funny thing is, is that when I don't do that, okay, so sometimes stuff just really sucks. You have to, you have to correct it. But a lot of times they send stuff out and they got great links, you know? So I'm no longer the expert on this. This is just my way I do things. And now I'm starting to notice that the thought behind it is the same. So you think about the prospect, you think about what would interest it and trigger them, but it doesn't necessarily have to be the way I do it.
0: So it's kind of bringing in new ideas and people who think a little bit differently from you.
1: I think some of the best templates are definitely not mine, are there from other people. I mean, I had this one guy, that was actually a mistake because I should have checked the templates and I didn't. And they went out anyway. And it was uh, about, also about cybersecurity for some reason. And he wrote in his email, these freaking hackers, they're attacking your side and you need to defend, like really going very intense. And then I saw it after and I was like, oh my God, it's horrible. And then this editor from one of the biggest IT sites came back and said, okay, you got me, let's do this, you know, and I thought, "How?" (laughs) so the takeaway of this is for people start link building, if you hire creatives, you have to let them go a little bit, you know, and just see what comes up. So that's really important. Don't, don't be too controlling. Yeah. Don't do your own idea of link building. Don't put that on them a little bit to have to understand the idea but you have to get let them find their own way
0: awesome so is, is there anything which i haven't asked you today which i should have asked you
1: oh oh yes who should be your next guest on the podcast
0: my on my pod, on our podcast
1: yeah i think that's a cool question though no?
0: so i should ask you who who the next guest on our podcast should be
1: yeah but i haven't thought about it myself i realized that now. So, <laughs> no I <don't>
0: know. all <laughs> right <laughs> who bb who should the next guest on our podcast be
1: I really okay so there's I'm fangirling over this woman Carrie Rose do you know her?
0: okay I don't know
1: she does PR link building not sure if that's something your audience is interested in but I really I really definitely. like definitely yeah oh cool you should invite her
0: all right I'll, I'll reach out to her and see if she wants to come on
1: yes
0: Awesome. Okay. So where can people go to find you? What's your website? What's your socials? All that good stuff.
1: I'm bbbuzz.com. That's my website, bbbuzz. Oh, two z's. And on Twitter, I'm also bbbuzz.com. On Facebook, I'm just me, bbraven.
0: All right. Well, we will put those links below. And you do client work for what what type of companies you typically work for?
1: All niches, basically. And it's usually mid-sized enterprise. Yeah, but it's it's anything. I've done so many different niches now, from lawyers to chickens.
0: All right, well, if there are any uh, chicken owners in the audience listening, you know where to go for link building now, bbbuzz.com. Okay, cool. BB, thanks for coming on today. Really appreciate it. Thanks for your your time and thanks for playing the game of niches as well. It was fun. Yeah,
1: you had me sweating.
0: Sorry, the uh, the production value of our, our podcast is, has definitely gone up since we've we've gone into video I, I, I had to go out and find different colored post-it notes for for this one so yeah it's been a busy day.
1: <laughs> you should get those buzzers that would be cool like sorry.
0: that is a fantastic idea. All right <laughs> now I know what I'm doing tonight.
1: Thank you so much. this is awesome. I hope it helps people.
0: I'm sure it will, I'm sure it will. Thanks for your insights. And thank you for watching or listening wherever you're sort of tuning in from. If you like this show, if you like this episode, leave us a comment, a rating, a like, a thumbs up, whatever you do on your social media or your podcast player or your YouTube player to let us know, let the world know, let the algorithms know that you enjoyed this episode. So get on, do that stuff, and uh, we'll see you next Monday for another episode. Bye.
1: Thank you. Bye.